This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, 1 John chapter 4, if you can find that opening in your Bible or on your device. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Glad you're with us tonight. Hope you have a Bible there as well. And we're going to do some study in the Word of God here this evening. And, uh, you know, Wednesday nights, it's, it's meat and potato night. You know, that's when we just get down and really get after it here a little bit on some things that I know can and will be a blessing to you. And because uh, I tell you what, our Father loves us. You know that? Our Heavenly Father is flat out in love with His own and wants the very best for them. And so I'm going to share some things with you this evening. Um, I don't know, it just seems as though the Lord has really been seed my heart along these lines. And I thought, well, what better way to, to uh, be a blessing to you than to share that with you tonight. So uh, <clears throat> let's pray together and let's see how this turns out. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, thank you so much. As we come, Father, and approach your word, we thank, thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to break the bread of life. We do so with reverence and humility. We thank you, Father, that the living word of God is the final authority in all things. Father, you will have your say. And so tonight, Father God, as we look into this word, we just thank you, Father, for the illuminating ministry of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Father, for bringing to light, to illuminate our hearts and minds concerning the truth as to what it is that has taken place in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And Father God, I just thank you for your goodness, your mercy, for utterance in the Holy Ghost, and again, for eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. How many enjoyed uh, the baptism and the baby dedication last week? Wasn't that a blast? Hallelujah. I mean, I don't know. I think there was 21 or so that got baptized in water. And I don't know how many kids that kind of grew and morphed into more than whatever. And so that was cool, too. And it's so great to uh, witness, uh, you know, this public profession of people's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So praise God, we're practicing the Bible. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for that. Now look with me, if you would, please, here. I want to uh, read a portion of Scripture. It, it's somewhat unrelated, but it's very much related to what it is I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, the Apostle John, in his first epistle that he wrote, uh, particularly in these chapters here, was talking about uh, the subject under discussion, I guess, was our responsibility actually command to love one another. How many of you know that loving one another is not just an option? Huh? You know, sometimes you say, well, you know, I'm, they're easy to love. I, I think I can make that happen. Well, sometimes, you know, uh, there are those that aren't so easy to love, and yet we're still commanded to love them too. <laughs> you weren't near as excited about that last part as you were the first. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so he's discussing this subject. And I want you to notice with me particularly here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, he says, Herein is our love perfected that we may have boldness in the day of judgment or confidence. And now notice this, this statement here. It says, because as he is, speaking of Jesus, so are we in this world. I want you to, again, just look with me and, and, and let's emphasize that last phrase, as he is so are we in this world. As he is, so are we where? In this what? In this world. So he's making a clear distinction about our earthly existence, and he's saying that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now i got a question for you tonight. How is he? How is Jesus? Because the Bible says, however he is, so are we. So I think it's worth, you know, thinking a little bit about just how is it that Jesus is. Now, <clears throat> there's a lot, of, a lot of directions that this could go, but let me go with me on this. Uh, the prophet Isaiah said this in chapter 6 of Isaiah, in the year of Uzziah, 
the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Well, I'll tell you what, this much about it. If you want to know about how he is, man, he's high and lifted up. Yeah, and his train's filling the temple. And the, and the seraphims and the angels are singing, holy, 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 hallelujah. In other words, when we ask the question, how is he? Praise God, he is the exalted one. He is the one who is and has been magnified. The magnificent one, the victorious one. Again, the one who's high and lifted up. The one who is seated at the right hand of our heavenly father. You know, he speaks of himself in the book of Revelations. Again, John writing said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And which is, he says, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So when we look at these scriptures and we ask ourselves a question, how is he? Praise God, he's lifted up. He's victorious, and there is no defeat in Jesus. There is no weakness in Jesus. There's nothing but victory, glory, and power in Jesus. And John said, as he is, so are we. Where? Where? Say it again. In this world, you're going to have to wake up now. The anointing just hit me and I'm ready to go and you got to go with me. Amen. Takes a little while, but we're there. Okay. As he is, so are we in this world. And Jesus does not know defeat. Hallelujah. And he is without question, high and lifted up and victorious as the King of Kings and as the Lord of Lords. So I want to talk to you tonight about something important, about the believer's spiritual authority. Are you listening to me? Because it's not about what you are in yourself, it's what we are in Him. And the important thing is, is not only for us to know it, but for us to exercise or act like it. Hallelujah. You know, when you go into your house, if you own that home, you don't think anything about whatever it is that you want to do or would like to do, or if you want to hit the refrigerator, if you want to go someplace, this, that, or the other. I mean, you just do it. Why is that? Because it's yours. You don't have to ask permission of someone, can I do this or that or the other? You just do it. Why? Because it's yours. Well, there's things that God has provided for the believer, the child of God, through Christ for you and I, and it's ours. And we need to start acting like it. Are you listening to me? We need to start acting on what it is that God has described, said, and revealed within his word when it comes to our personal lives. And one of those things is the spiritual authority of the believer. How many believers do we have? Okay, well then praise God, you're one of them. You know, and and the reason I bring this to your attention is because in most evangelical circles, they don't even talk about the authority of the believer. You can go to many, 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 many churches on any given Sunday morning or whenever they're having their service, and the subject never comes up. So the reality is, is whoever's sitting out in the crowd, they're not hearing this truth that is so vitally important and really is throughout the entire Word of God. So it's important for us to understand that there's something he's done for us. And so they, they, they never talk about it, you know, so nobody knows anything about it. And so we're all in kind of a, a troubled kind of way. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how it was for you, but before I got saved, hell was destroying my life and I didn't even know it. How many of you can attest to that? I mean, uh, life was not good. Why? Because of ignorance and because of 
what I did not know. And so while it's destroying my life before I met Jesus, when I met him, I was so grateful to be, how many of you are glad you're saved? Thank God for the blood of Jesus and his love and mercy toward every one of us, praise God, because we name his name. But, you know, it's, it's so important for us to understand, you know, and while we thank God for salvation, how many are glad you're saved? Yeah, we're all glad we're saved. But there's more to salvation than just having eternal life or knowing that heaven's going to be your home. There is a redemptive reality in Christ Jesus that has been provided for the believer, for you, for us as children that he wants us to walk in. Hallelujah. And it's important for us to understand, again, that salvation is not, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's part of the redemptive part of God's uh, plan. But Jesus came for more than just your salvation. I mean, he paid a price to take you out from under the tyranny and the enslavement of sin. And not only that, but the God of this world no longer has jurisdiction. When I got saved, and maybe this was your experience, you know, I gave my heart to the Lord driving down a road, went home, and, and he changed me from the inside out. When I woke up the next morning, I knew I was a different person. I didn't know what had happened, but I knew that the, the consciousness of sin was gone. And, and the oppressive nature of hell was gone. And, and quite honestly, it, it kind of scared me. I liked it, but I didn't know what it was. So I had to call somebody and say, what in the world's going on here? In other words, my life was changed. He changed my nature. He made me a new creation, but he also took me out from under the tyranny of sin. And that weight of sin, that load of sin, that, 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 that oppressive nature of sin, it was gone. But I didn't know nothing. And that's a bad place to be. And I say that in the context is, <clears throat> that, that God wants you as a child of God to grow and to develop and to learn. Because otherwise the devil will take advantage of you and he will whoop you time and again, left and right, up and down, and you'll live a defeated Christian life. And God did not send Jesus for that to happen to you. He sent him, praise God, so that you and I could win. So when he came, Jesus came, he came to rescue us, not only from the penalty and tyranny of sin, but he also, listen, gave us his victory. There is no weakness in Jesus. There is no defeat in Jesus. When he came into this world, he came as the victor. And again, he said, as he is, so are you in this world. Amen. So as long as we're in the world, we're like him. Amen. Or at least we should be. Are you with me? Yep. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Glory to God. Religion does everything it can. Religion. To strip the child of God from what it is that he is. They explain the power of God away. Well, now, you know, you can't get all excited. Yeah, you can get excited because it's true. There's something Christ has done to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Amen. And they want to explain it away. No, dear God, we, we couldn't possibly have victory in life. We couldn't actually have joy and be happy and full of the life of God. You know, they want you to suck on some sour whatever popsicle and try to get along and just go through life the best you can. But I'm telling you, Jesus came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Are you with me? And I tell you what, the oppressive nature of religion is just, well, it's from hell. And the way it does it is through lies. Oh, no, that's not what the Bible says. No, that's not what Jesus meant. No, you can't have that. No, you're just supposed to do this, you know, whatever the case might be. And you just, you get in your little rut here, your little religious rut, and you just stay there. 
That's why they don't like people that are on fire for God. That's why they don't want you climbing out of the rut. You know, a rut's no more than a grave with both ends kicked out of it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Dear God, we couldn't possibly have a good time being a child of God. Are you listening to me? Hell does everything it can to keep you from being the person that God made you to be. Well, I don't know about you, but praise God, I believe it's time to stand up. Be accounted for. Take our rightful place. Hallelujah. Name the name of Jesus. The believer has been given authority in this world to exercise it against the forces of hell. When Jesus came, thank God, he did not leave us without being empowered. He didn't leave us in a place without being equipped. And so we just need to learn what it is that's going on here, what it is that he has provided for us, and start walking in the light of it. Can you say amen? Amen. Look with me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Notice what it says here in the second chapter of Colossians, beginning with verse 12. Buried with him in, what's that word? We just watched it this past Sunday. A whole bunch of folk got buried with him in baptism. Huh? Wherein also we are risen again with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. We're talking about what happens spiritually. Notice it goes on then to say, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you... What's that next word? All. Everybody say all. Come on. He has forgiven you of all your trespasses. Not just part of them, but I'm telling you, all of them. And then it goes on as we read in this verse... In verse 15 or 14, <clears throat> blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which were contrary to us, and took them out of the way, hallelujah, nailing them to his cross. And then it goes on and says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Oh, thank God for his victory. Hallelujah. And he's given it to you and me. I tell you what, if you want to go run tonight, just go for it. Hallelujah. Shout a little bit. Glory to God. People say, well, you know, God's not deaf. And I'm thinking, yeah, and he's not nervous either. Hallelujah. There's two reasons that God gave us this authority. The first of which is to experience Christ's freedom in your own personal life. In other words, to get the junk out of your life, to get the junk off of you, so that you can get delivered from whatever it is that once held you or once had you bound. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To set the captive free. Because there is no longer any jurisdiction of hell where your life is concerned. And all you got to do is find out about it, baby, and away you go. You don't have to be bound by substance abuse, drug addictions, alcohol, any of the other things that go on in people's lives that bring them to a standstill. Jesus provided the redemption, and thank God for it. So that's one reason to experience his freedom in our own personal lives. And here's the other one, to execute the will of God in the lives of others. I'm telling you what, you guys, you are full. You are a treasure trove of truth for those that know nothing about the kingdom of heaven. And you know, while we talk about this, you know, fundamentally talking about the authority of the believer, it's for our own personal benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others. The authority really is for the benefit of others, So that you can do the works of Jesus in his name. He said, go in my name. Isn't that right? So fundamentally, it's for, well, I could say it this way. It's for the uh, impact of other people's lives. But listen, before you can impact the lives of other people, 
The believer needs to know and experience its reality in their own life before they can carry out this reality for others. In other words, if you don't know that you've been set free, dude, you can't set anybody else free. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So knowing this truth is paramount because not only will it benefit your life, but it'll benefit the people that are around you. You can go up to them and say, now you probably haven't realized this or didn't know anything about this, but I'm telling you, you don't have to live this way. Jesus can change your life. Jesus can set you free. Jesus has a plan for you. And it's not this. And, you know, they'll say, well, it's been this way all my life. I don't know why it could be any different, you know, all of those different kinds of things. And you pitch them the gospel. And praise God, they can be, be begotten again by the word of truth, by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, <clears throat> we never think about it in this context, but authority is really for service. Have you ever thought about that before? Uh, the authority of the believer is to serve the needs of other people. So we got to get this down so that we know what's going on and what it is and who it is that we are so that when we go out into the world, praise God, we're carrying something with us that can impact the life of someone else. And not just shy away, not just walk away, but I'm telling you, praise God, get up in the middle of it and make a difference. That's what God wants us to do. You say, well, I could never do that. Yes, you can. When you say, I could never do that, the devil is the one who told you you could never do that. That wasn't God. I said, that wasn't God. I said, that wasn't God. You know, you say, well, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too that. None of that's true either. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I got this. Yeah. Authorities for service. Think about this with me. Why did Jesus equip or, or commission his disciples. Why did he do that? Well, because he knew they were going to need it, right? You know, he did it to serve those in need. He did it to equip them for battle against the forces of darkness. L- just listen with me as I read this. And when Jesus called to him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, or he gave them authority. Are you listening to me? Against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, they're not the ones that's doing the healing. Jesus is, right? The power of God, the Spirit of God. But the Bible says that he gave them authority to do this. Then it goes on to say, These twelve Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, the city of the Samaritans, don't, but go to the lost sheep of Israel. Now listen, and as you go, preach, woo, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the kingdom's here, baby. It's near, right here, right now. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? That's, that's what, you know, that's what Jesus did. He went out and he said, repent, believe the gospel, baby. The kingdom of God is here. Are you listening to me? So he went on then to say, he says, tell him this. And then he said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely what? Give. Give. You know, there's places in Africa where they've had people raised from the dead all over the place. And they said, well, how in the world do you do that? He says, we pray till they get up. We pray till they either get up or God says we're done. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, they'll pray for somebody for days. And all of a sudden, boop, here he comes. I'm reading a story right now of a guy by the name of Richard uh, Sigmund. He got killed in a car accident. He was dead for about eight hours. They were getting ready. They took him to the morgue, and they were going to do, <clears throat> you know, the getting ready. And they said, well, we really need to get this taken care of. You know, he's been dead for a while and whatever. And he, he said, uh, he just, he woke up and he said, I ain't dead yet. And one of them passed out and the other one soiled himself, you know, when, when he spoke. Because they'd probably been dealing with him and carrying him around. He's probably, I don't know, the whole process of rigor mortis, but dude freaked them out. 
Well, he talks about heaven, going to heaven, and what it is that he's seen. Glory to God. You know, this stuff is real. I said it's real. And so it's important for us to understand what it is that Jesus told these disciples. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and look at this with me. So he tells his 12 disciples, this is what I want you to do. Now, how many disciples do we have here tonight? Okay, good. Well, then you're in. Huh? You're in. Oh, I could never do that. We're not talking about what you can do. We're talking about what he can do through you. Yes, you're right. You couldn't heal a gnat's wing. But thank God you can do all things through him who strengthens you. We need to be bold. I said we need to be bold. We need to be bold. I said we need to be bold. Well, we don't want to embarrass anybody. Well, sometimes people need to get embarrassed. Huh? We don't, we don't want to make a scene. Yeah, sometimes we need to make a scene. Say, well, what will people think? Who cares? Anything's better than nothing. Huh? Well, anyway, let's go on. Look here, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed another 70 also, and he sent them two by two before his face to every city and place where he himself was going to come to. And then he gave them all these destructions, instructions. Now notice, um, uh, well, let's, no, verse 2 says, Therefore he said to them, the harvest truly is great. Everybody say, it's great. great. I'm telling you, it's great. And the laborers are what? They're few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Now drop down to verse 9. He said, in the context of all of this, he said, what's verse 9 say? Heal the what? Do what? Heal the sick that are therein and say to them, the kingdom of God is come near. Did you know that when people get healed by the power of God, it's the kingdom of God coming to them? And yet all the doubt and the unbelief of the religious world says, well, you know, healing's not for today. You know, sometimes people get healed, sometimes they don't. I'm telling you, in the kingdom of heaven, everybody gets healed. Are you listening to me? And if they don't get healed, it's not because of heaven's uh, fault or heaven's desire to see them well. You know, there's a place where the disciples, you know, they brought a guy, somebody brought a a guy, a guy brought a kid that needed to have the devil cast out of him and and the disciples couldn't get it done. And Jesus said, how long am I going to have to put up with you? He said, bring him over here. How long has he been like this? From a child, you know, and so on and so forth. He cast the devil out. Later on, the disciples said, well, how, how come we couldn't do that? And he said, because of your unbelief. Now, that's a hard one to swallow, okay? But it's the facts. Are you with me? Now, he did say, <clears throat> he did say in one place where this kind goes not out by, except by prayer and fasting. There's a whole other story in all of that. But I'm telling you, there's an expectation on the part of heaven for you and I as believers. You say, well, gee whiz, I came for a Wednesday night service to try to get, you know, lifted up here. I mean, you know, what are you doing here? You're putting it on me. Yep. yep. Praise God. You start, you know, you got needs in your life. You go out and meet somebody else's needs and yours will go away. Huh? Let's do the kingdom business. Are you listening to me? Huh? So in verse 9, again, he says, Heal the sick that are therein and say to them that the kingdom of God has come here. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it includes healing the sick. Are you listening to me? Not Again, not us. Drop down to verse 17. Verse 17, the same opening. Notice what it says. And these 70... They, they returned again with what? Joy. They came back with how? Joy. Yeah, with joy. They came back with joy. Glory to God. In other words, they're excited about this deal. Woo! You know, glory to God. Look what happened. And notice what they say. They testify. And they tell Jesus, they said, they said Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. 
And he said to them, I watched Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I was there when he was cast out of heaven. But notice this. Behold, I give unto you what? Power. Uh, King James probably says power. It's actually the word authority. He says, Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power or ability of the enemy, and nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Woo! Glory to God. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then he went on then to say, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know, they, they, this is, I mean, you know, they're, they're charged with this commission to go out in the name of Jesus and do these things. And I don't know what their expectations was, but man, they came back and they said, wow, we never expected this. This is awesome. Are you with me? And so from a natural standpoint, they're pretty juiced up about it. But what Jesus tried to do in taming them down and says, you know, don't get all jazzed up about this deal. You just be glad that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what human flesh will do sometimes, you know. It gets all, it gets all goofed up. And that's why you don't see much of it happening. Because, you know, it's like a <clears throat> when I took my kids hunting, I gave them a shotgun, a 410 single shot shotgun, and I put it in their hand and it didn't have a, a bullet in it. And, you know, they're thinking, well, pfft, great, Dad, this is wonderful. I'm walking around carrying this heavy gun, you know, or whatever, and there's no, bu- what, what good's that going to do? I said, son, you're going to learn how to handle that gun before we put anything in it. And I'm going to watch you, and I'm going to see if you got it up in the air, or if you're pointing it at me, or if you're swinging it around all over the place, because until all of that gets fixed, we ain't doing nothing with no gun. Are you with me? And the same thing's true with the authority of the believer. You know, you got to understand about the need for us to grow and to learn and develop so that you can handle it. And you can do it, praise God. Are you with me? Then you get the ammo. And then it gets real fun. Because we start shooting stuff. Are you listening to me? So, so the, as a believer, you have to understand and this, I, I tell you, you guys, I mean, I, I, it, it, it amazes me. People do not realize that they're in a battle. You have got to realize you're in a battle. You're in a battle. You're in a war. You know, whether you realize it or not, I mean, uh, we're in a war. Right now, there is a war going on for the youth of this world. And the intent that hell has is to take them to hell. Are you listening to me? Most people, they don't even think about it in those terms. But all of this nonsense and, and propaganda narrative junk and all the stuff that we see going on, is, it has no other purpose than to take them kids to hell. Through immorality and through all of the other things that are associated and laced into the whole mess. That's a war that you better get yourself figured out on and start fighting the battle that you're in and say, no, thank God for parents that are standing up and saying, we are not putting up with this. Why should we let some educator that is lost, corrupt, and going to hell take our kids there? That's a whole other subject. But people don't think about it that way. Oh, you know, well, you know, culture's changed, and we're this and that and the other. You know, somebody was talking to Frank and Graham about, um, you know, culture's changed, and we don't use the Bible very much. And and Franklin just says, God hasn't changed. Culture can change. Culture can do all kinds of stuff. But God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what does that mean? You and I are not going to change. Are you listening to me? And we're going to speak the truth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against wicked 
demonic spirits in high and heavenly places. But thank God you and I have been given authority over them. He spoiled the principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, and he triumphed over them in it. So all you have to do is know when hell has shown up, and you say, no. My, my, my wife and I, when we were raising our kids, wake up in the middle of the night, our kids are sick, the brow of their uh, head is fevered, and I tell you what, we'd get up and praise God, lay our hands on them kids, and we'd say, no, you do not come here, devil, in the name of Jesus, and we would stay till he left, until the fever broke. We ain't preaching, we ain't praying no mamby-pamby kind of prayer. Oh, God, you know, if you can do something. He's saying, if I can do something, he said, praise God, all things are possible to the one that believes. So you drive a stake in the ground and you say, we ain't leaving until you do. Well, I don't know if I, you know, I can do that. Well, then have whatever it is you want. I can tell you this much about it, until we start standing up for what is ours and taking our place, the Bible says that the, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about looking for, seeking whom he, it didn't say he can, he's just looking. And it goes on to say, whom he may devour. Who you are to resist in the faith. Say, no, you don't. You're not having my kids. You're not putting that junk on me. Glory to God. You know, if I get junk on me, man, I don't, I don't receive, I, I never receive it. Because it's not mine. Hell might show up, but it's going to go. I'm going to resist it in Jesus' name until it goes. A lot of people, they lay down, lay, I don't know what, roll over. Dear God, help us. Are you listening to me? Thanks for your enthusiasm. All right, well, keep it going. Woo, glory to God. I just want you to know tonight, now you may not realize this, but just let me tell you, you are not whipped and you are not defeated. Now, you might feel like it. It might look like it. It might, I mean, whatever. But I'm telling you, you are not whipped. You are not defeated. You are victorious. Say, so, well, I sure don't feel very victorious. And it sure don't look very victorious. And I don't think I believe you, but whatever. Well, keep listening. You might get excited. Hallelujah. I don't think Jesus was a pacifist. Huh? He walked up to one guy and he said, do you want to be whole? So what the Bible says. Will you be made whole? And the guy says, well, uh, I ain't got anybody. You know, when the water's moving, somebody else gets in, I'm out. He says, stand up. That's not pacifistic in my mind. Huh? But it's an important question, will you be made whole? Well, some people, they don't even know whether they can be whole. Religious theology and doctrine has got them so screwed up, they don't know which end is up. They don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe it. you got to get settled about what it is and who it is that you are in Christ Jesus, and you do that through the book. You know, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he, was, he, had, a, he had a tough road to hoe. You guys, young guy, protege of Paul. He left him in Ephesus. I don't want you to pass to these people. He said, man, these people are nuts. You know, they're full of the devil and everything else, and they're all into witchcraft and all kinds of cults. And now you want me to do what? Yeah, I want you to pastor them. Huh? And, and so he said, let no one despise your youth. Be an example. He went on and explained all these things. And he said, and he, and he was telling him, you know, that, and uh, you know, um, there's a lot I could say about all that. But the bottom line is, is he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your profiting will appear unto all. You want to know how to get where it is you need to be so that, praise God, you can stand up in the name of Jesus? Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Praise God. When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, man, I'm telling you what, you're in a good spot. 
Because now we can get something done. Are you listening to me? And yeah, you'll have opposition and people tell you 40 reasons why it won't work, but thank God when it's working for you, you can just rejoice and be glad. And then if they'll believe it with you, they can get it too. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Hell works overtime to tell people how bad they have it. It does. Hell works overtime. You know, I, I don't have this. I don't have that. And why? Because the devil wants to enslave them. He doesn't want to tell them how, you know, he's not going to let you know how victorious you are. He's going to talk to you about how much of a victim you are. But I'm telling you what, we're not a victim. Right. Rachel, you're not a victim. You know, Angela, you're not a victim. Steve, you're not a victim. Glenn, you're not a victim. Praise God, you are a victor. Hallelujah. You have your blessing in life. I mean, think about it. You say, yeah, but I got this and I got this. Why are you accentuating that instead of thinking about what it is that you do have? Are you listening to me? Well, I got this problem. I got that problem. And if this person would just straighten up, you know, and this and that and the other. Dude, your joy is not in their head. Come on, you can still be full of joy in spite. Yeah, but they're impacting my life. I understand that, but thank God you can still stay in the place of faith and believe God. Hallelujah. And let God be God in that situation. And thank God if he's got to come in the middle of the night and stranglehold him and say, you need to straighten up your life, so be it. Stand in the gap. Believe God. Stay happy and full of faith. Hallelujah. And let God be God. Glory to God forevermore. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Y'all glad you came tonight? Yeah. yeah, glory to God. Look here. Ephesians, the first chapter. You ought to read this whole book or letter, I guess you could say. <clears throat> Paul writing here. This thing, I mean, it is, it is a treasure trove when it comes to understanding the authority of the believer. Notice with me, first of all, in verse 3. It says, Paul's writing, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, everybody say has. Yeah. He has what? He's blessed us. What does he bless us with, Paul? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I think um, maybe the New King James... Blessed be who has blessed us with. No, it says the same thing. All right, in one translation, let's put it that way. It says that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He's already blessed you. That's why I was talking about thank God for salvation and going to heaven, but I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more to this. There are spiritual blessings that belong to us, and one of them is this authority that we have as believers. You'll notice if you go into this, you know, talking about these blessings he's blessed us with, in verse 4 he says, he's chosen us in him. You were chosen. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I called you that you should go and bring forth fruit so that your fruit should remain. So you're the chosen of God. I mean, you ought to get happy about the simple fact that you're one whom he has chosen. Glory to God. It goes on then in the next verse to say that, well, in this same verse actually, that, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen to that. That we should be holy, listen, and without what? Without what? Without blame. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit of God. There is no condemnation, but it is hell's tactic. It is its weapon that it uses against the believer and the child of God to bring them, to oppress them, to bring them down, to keep them from responding to the Spirit of God. But it's a spiritual blessing nonetheless that belongs to every one of us. It goes on to say that we've been adopted, predestined to be adopted as his children. Number six, that we're accepted in the beloved. And number seven, that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Now notice this in eight, wherein he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Listen, you're not, you got it, baby. Oh, I just need wisdom. I just need, you know, prudence. Dude, you already got it. You just don't know it. 
Look at that verse of Scripture, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Look at, look, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Yeah, what is, his, is the mystery of his will? Christ in you, baby, the hope of glory. Notice, in the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. In other words, you know the plan of salvation. You know the hope that is within us, the blessed hope of Christ's coming again, that heaven's going to be your home, that eternal life is yours. You already know it. You already have it. You already got it. And people are, you know, a lot of Christians, well, I'm just trying to get it. I'm trying to get it. Dude, you got it. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing there is within the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen. The devil's telling us, well, you ain't got nothing. You ain't this. You ain't that. You ain't no big no nothing. Well, I'm not a big no nothing, but I'm telling you what, in him, I'm a big guy in Christ. Huh? So as you go on reading here, I kind of got carried away there. Imagine that. Hallelujah. Um, Notice what uh, he says in verse 15. Well, you read the whole, the first 14 verses, you know, and he's talking about this stuff that we have in him, and it's pretty exciting stuff. But then he gets into verse 15. He says, so since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, once I heard that you were born of the Spirit of God and you became a child of his, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. So now Paul's going to start praying. Now look at what, how he's praying, what it is that he's praying for for, for, for these people. He says, first of all, in 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Huh? Now listen, look at the next verse. It says here in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding, the King James says, being enlightened. Huh? Well, actually, it says the eyes of your understanding having been enlightened. Dude, you got it. If the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, dude, you know. There are things you know. And he says here, he says, I'm praying that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Why? Because, you know, the, the eyes of your understanding have been enlightened so that you can know these three things. Are you listening to me? Huh? He wants you to know these three things. Notice what they are right here in the verses of Scripture. First of all, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Hallelujah. Number two, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You got an inheritance coming, baby, the likes of which you ain't ever seen in your life before. Man, I'm telling you what, woo, it is awesome. But notice this next one, verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of of his power, where? To usward who believe. So, so Paul is praying, dude, you need to get a revelation of this. You need to understand the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. And let me show you what that looks like. According to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. That's resurrection life. That's resurrection power. And it's in you. It's on you. It's for you. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? And he goes on then to explain it. You know, uh, um, which he wrought in Christ, raising him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above. Everybody say way up there. Yeah, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but in the one that is coming. Hallelujah. Now notice he goes on to say, and he's put all things under his feet. He's gave him, he gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the head over all things, and God gave him to the church, which is his body. Why? So that we can carry out the will of God, man. So that we can make a difference in the world. We can serve the needs of people. Go preach the gospel, and wherever, praise God, they believe it. Hallelujah. They can get saved. They can get turned on. They can get set free. They can, you know, whatever, whatever. If they don't, keep on walking. Come on now. 
You know, we think we fail sometimes because we get rejected. We haven't failed. Dude, you've succeeded. Why? Because you've obeyed him. You did what he said. You're not responsible for them to decide what it is they're going to do. That's their deal. You just tell them. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Is it really 8 o'clock? Dang. Well, let me just, I guess, I yeah. These are your promises, you guys. These belong to you. You know? But if you don't know it, then they're not going to do you any good. The devil wants to hide and obscure these truths. But they're yours tonight, whether you, ever, whether you know it or not. We need to start believing the Word of God. Right. Amen? Right. devil comes showing up on your doorstep, you just say no in the name of Jesus. A lot of people don't even use the name of Jesus. They don't speak. They don't say. They don't declare. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. I mean, when a mountain comes into your life, baby, you got to speak to it. Are you with me? Won't know how to do that. Well, just jump in, man. Go for it. The Holy Ghost will give you utterance. Say, no, you don't. Take your hands off my stuff. Take your hands off my kids. Take your hands off my finances. Take your hands in the name of Jesus. Are you listening to me? You say, well, you know, I don't know if I much believe that. Well, you'll never experience it either. You'll never have it. You just go around not having a whole lot of fun. Hallelujah. But the authority is yours. And you need to know it. You know, I usually carry a $50 bill stashed down in my billfold someplace so that in case... You know, you go some places, they won't, take, they won't take your card. Well, if you ain't got any cash, guess what? You ain't buying nothing. There's this little restaurant out in uh, Hill City, uh, South Dakota, and um, they, don't, they don't take cards. So if you want to eat in their restaurant, you better come up with some cash. What they'll do is they'll say, there's a machine out there, and you can get money. We want this stuff. You know? We're not taking no card. You know, are you with me? Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> um. If I forget about the, the $50 that I got stashed away or the whatever, you know, then it doesn't do me any good. It's mine. I possess it. I have it. But I'm not aware of it. I, I, I don't know it. And so unless I dig around and go, oh, hey, here, wow, good, we're good, we're good. Although I don't know if you can get through there for 50 bucks, can you? It doesn't matter. Anyway, you get the point. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Amen. But here's, the also, here's another thing about it, though, you guys. You can know it, but if you never act on it, if you don't exercise these rights that are yours, it still won't do you any good. You won't have any benefit. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. You know, the pastor was pretty stirred up the other night, and he was talking about that, but I don't know. You know, does that really work? If you don't exercise what is yours, and, and, and here's the truth about all of that, if, if, if in fact that was your persuasion, um, you need to go back to what Paul told Timothy, meditate on these things, give yourself holy to them, get a hold of it. Because huh? I'm telling you, it's true. You have to know it, and you have to act on it. Are you with me? And put the devil in his place. You know, I'll give you a story to close, because we need to stop here, and I'm... I, won't ever get done. But there's a story told, and this was years ago, about a guy who lived in Chicago. And uh, he was, uh, you know, people knew him. He, he rented a little space that he lived in, you know, and it didn't cost him but a few bucks a week or whatever the case might be. But, you know, he was just kind of a, he was living in abject poverty, basically. He'd go through the garbage cans and this and that and the other. And they hadn't seen him for a day or two, and so they looked around, they found him. He was dead in this, in this room. You know, and um, so um, they uh, ended up doing an autopsy on him and found out that the guy died of malnutrition. Okay, he's just, you know, he, he didn't have enough sustenance. But what they also found is, is the guy had a uh, money belt that was that had over twenty three thousand dollars in it. And it was his. And the whole point is, is this guy could have been staying in the best. He could have been eating the best. He could have been enjoying the best. But and still, you know, and, uh, and still and yet, you know, because he didn't use it, he didn't act on it, he didn't 
use what was his, it didn't do him any good. And he ended up dying of malnutrition. Now you say, well, that wasn't very smart. Well, you know, sometimes people get kind of weird. You know, you got hoarders, you got people, you know, that they, they save all this stuff. Now, if you're a hoarder, I'm sorry, I repent. <laughs> you need to get delivered, I can tell you that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't know what drives that behavior, but um, <clears throat> um, there's so much that belongs to us, everyone. Jesus made it possible for you. To have joy and victory. You know, the devil comes, he comes to oppress you. You have to say no in Jesus' name. Devil, I rebuke you. That's why the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Tell him what the word says. Don't, let, don't, don't, don't allow days to go by and feel oppressed and depressed and discouraged and all of the other D words that are in the dictionary. Dude, stand up to him. Say, that's enough of this. In the name of Jesus, get out. Take your authority. Use it. And if he comes back, do it all over again. One more story. You got time for one more story? It's only 8.08. Okay, one more story. Uh, Brother Hagen tells this story. He's our spiritual father. But when he was pastoring, I think it was the last church that he pastored. He'd been pastoring for probably, um, I don't know, 10, 12, maybe 12, 14 years. And he had one of his, he was actually a Sunday school superintendent. And uh, he worked in the oil fields. He was a, a pumper out in the fields. And he fell off the rig and he fell down into some stuff. And... Um, um, he, uh, well, when everybody got there and looked him over and the doctor was there and then Brother Hagen was a pastor, he came up to him and, and the doctor said, uh, he said, Brother Hagen, he says, uh, uh, I thought he was dead, but he's, he's not quite dead. He says, but he can't live, you know. And so um, uh, you need to take, uh, um, what's that guy's name? You need to take Mrs. Whoever aside and, you know, prepare her. So Brother Hagin says, sure, I'll do that, you know. She's walking over, you know, and they're walking to kind of get away from everybody else. And, and the, mo the mother or the, the wife said, uh, said Brother Hagin, uh, uh, Dr. Whatever says that he doesn't believe that uh, Daddy's going to live, does he? He says, and, she, and he said, well, no, he doesn't. And she said, well, isn't it good to know that we have inside information? This is the wife. And he said, yeah, you're right. He says, you know, we'll believe God. We'll agree together. And, and, you know, information inside the Bible. And so they agreed in the name of Jesus, and he kept on living. The doctor, you know, they can't move him because he's, you know, he's in shock and he's messed up, and they can't move him because he's so messed up that if they do, they'll, they'll kill him. So they're, they're, they're sitting there waiting. Actually, they're waiting for him to die, and he won't die. So finally, after about an hour, they had blankets around him and everything like that. They were 35 miles from the hospital and said, finally, the doctor says, well, I don't know. He says, you know, I think he probably perceived maybe they were keeping him. You know, you could keep people here, you know, in your prayer life and in, in, and in the name of Jesus. He said, I'll tell you what, let's do it. We'll put, we'll put him in the ambulance, you know, if he lives, great. You know, we'll take him out here about so far. I'll give him one more shot and, and uh, you know, uh, Brother Hagin, you ride with him on into the hospital. Well, he did that and... And uh, they got him in the hospital. Three days later, he's still alive, you know. And Brother Hagen had been staying with him at night. You know, people would be there with him during the day. And uh, he talked to the nurse. The nurse says, well, you know, I mean, he's just, you know, uh, he's not in good shape. He came into the hospital with zero blood pressure. And 45 minutes later, it was only up to like 40 or something. I mean, it was, I mean, dire. You know, but he kept on a living. And so this nurse said, well, there's just no way. You know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And he says, there's no way that this guy can live. He says, he, he won't be alive by 7 o'clock this morning. Well, he's already been going through this for two or three days. So Brother Hagen got up, and he went outside into the hallway. And he said, he's praying. He says, and I don't know why I prayed. He says, I just, I just you know, I was praying before the Lord for him. And he says, God, I'm not going to let him die. I'm not going to let him go. He's too young to die. He's only 49 years old. He's my superintendent. He says, I need him. If I need him, you need him. You know, and he just pled his case where this guy was concerned, you know, went out there and said, you know, and praise God in the name of Jesus, I command him to live. And you say, can you do that? All I know is this story right here, that's what happened, and he lived.
Okay? So he went back in there, and he's doing good, you know, and the nurse is reading the magazine, everything seems to be hunky-dory, and, you know, this and that and the other. I think he had to do that. He said what happened was he'd been at this for about two, three days, and so he's tired. And so he went back to sleep again, he wakes up, and the guy's dying again. So he gets up, goes out, retraces his steps, says the same thing. He did this three times. Well, the next morning, the doctor comes in at 8 o'clock. He takes a look at him. You know, back then they had these, you know, oxygen tents that they had them. And he pulled the tent back, you know, and got his test soap up in there, you know, and started looking him over. And goes, and all of a sudden, he just, you know, came like, he's turned around. He's turned around. He's turned around. You know, he might live. Well, <laughs> Brother Higgins says, I didn't, he might live. He's going to live, you know. And so they rushed him around, got all the x-rays and figured out what was this and that and the other. And, uh, <clears throat> came up off the bed and lived. Now, there's a lot more to the story than that. Well, he got, after this was all over with, he got up and testified to the church. And he said, uh, he said don't ever feel bad about uh, people that uh, die and go to heaven. And he said, because if I'd have had my choice, I wouldn't have come back. Yeah, he went to heaven in all of this, you know, and this and that and the other. And he said, uh, and, and now... <clears throat> Brother Hagen had not talked to him about anything that he had done in the hallway, okay? But he tells the story of being in heaven, seeing Jesus, and Jesus, as they were talking, he says, you're going to have to go back. He says, well, Lord, I don't want to go back. He says, well, you're going to have to go back. He says, but Lord, I don't want to go back. He says, well, you're going to have to go back because Brother Hagen won't let you come. Think about that. And, and, and he, he testified, his name was Haynes, was his name. He testified that Jesus pulled this veil back and let him see Brother Hagen in the hallway saying, I'm not going to let him go. I'm not going to let him die. And so he said, no more than all of this had happened. Boom, he was back in his body. And he lived. Now, I'll tell you what, praise God, there's some things that are available to the children of God we just need to get a hold of. Amen? Let's not lose hope. Let's not faint. Let's not give up. Aren't you glad you didn't give up? Amen. I bet uh, uh, Mama Haynes was really glad that he didn't give up. Are you listening to me? And all the rest of the people, 49 years of age and different things of that nature. So, all right, now it's 14 after. I got to quit. Use your authority. Find out what belongs to you. Praise God. There's a place he's given to you. Are you listening to me? You know, and I'm telling you what, take your place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Study and say, God, ask, you know, show me what it is that I need to know here so that I can use this. Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you what, the devil is not our kindred. He is an enemy. And we need to stand against him in the name of Jesus and enjoy all of heaven's best. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. You may not feel like it. You may, it may not look like it. It don't make no difference. Praise God. You just say, I'm coming out. I am not staying here. Hallelujah. You know, the gospel is liberating. The gospel is freedom. The gospel is moving forward your life going somewhere. Hallelujah. I don't know what all the politicians are doing or going to do or whatever the case might be. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm, start, I'm going to continue to live my life the way that Jesus intended for me to live. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe him. Are you listening to me? I'm not going to listen to their roar. Praise God, we're going to preach right through the noise in Jesus' name, and we're going to get the job done so that when he comes, he'll say, hey, good job, you guys. Let's go. That's what I want to hear. Amen. I don't want to say, well, you know, I, I pulled her over, you know, on the side of the road of life there because, you know, I didn't have the right president and this guy went stupid and I, you know, whatever. Dude, the, your life is not dependent on them. But you'd be surprised how many people think so. Are you with me? Well, anyway, enough, enough, enough. I could preach for a long time. You guys are good listeners. Why don't you stand up with me? How about that? Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much. We're grateful for your blessing. We thank you for your living word. But Father God, I thank you for what you did in Christ Jesus for us. Oh, you've made us more than conquerors through him that loved us. Thank you, Father God, because greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. The greater one, Father, the greater one is in us. 
And Father, I'm so thankful tonight, praise God, that His power, His ability, Father God, that which He has empowered us with is in us to live life, to do life, to have victory, glory to God, to put the devil on the run, glory, in the name of Jesus. And so, Father God, I thank you for every person here tonight. And Father, if they're discouraged, if they feel, you know, discouraged in any way, Father God, I ask you, Father, to help them shake that snake off into the fire in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you, Lord God, for divine health and well-being. Lord God, chronic conditions going away in Jesus' name. Health restored in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for faith rising within our hearts for us to declare what it is that you have promised, what you have said, and thank God for what you're doing. Hallelujah. We rejoice tonight, Father God, in this company of believers. And so thank you, Father God, for your grace. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy in each and every one of our lives. Father, as we pray, I thank you, Lord, for guiding us in our giving. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing the work of our hand. I thank you for supplying every need for those that are here tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for multiplying their resources, Father. Thank you for increase for the needs that they have in their life. And Father, I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. We're going to go ahead and receive our evening offering.